Well, Psalm 8, beginning in verse 1, this is the very Word of God written for you and for me today. To the chief musician on the instrument of Gath, a Psalm of David, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength, because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Amen. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Please hear it as such. Well, beloved, when we consider the glorious truth that the living God is the excellent Lord of creation, we are drawn to think upon and proclaim Him in His infinite fullness to be the Creator God. The God who brought all things into existence from nothing by the word of his power, Genesis 1, 1 through 3, teaches us. For God is the eternal and self-sufficient one. He is what we call ase. He has always been, he is, and he forever will be. There has never been a time when God was not. He is the great I am, as he has revealed himself to us, in Scripture, even as he revealed himself in that way to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3.14. Remember, God said to Moses there, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And so from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He doesn't need anyone or anything apart from himself in order to exist. He has no needs. He is pure and perfect and complete in his being. And though God doesn't need the world or anything in it, Scripture teaches us that he, of his own will and good pleasure, created all that is. And further, he freely enters and engages with his creation in provision, in blessing, and in judgment. We've seen this even abundantly in these first seven psalms, haven't we? He is the possessor and owner of all creation. In Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2, David said there, "...the earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness." the world, and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Beloved, God founded and established it. And as 
We considered in Psalm 7, God is the just judge over all his creation. And as we confess God then as creator, as we confess his aseity, as we confess his perfection and sovereignty, we more and more see the connection between these truths that we confess, which then draw us to worship him. And the Apostle Paul proclaimed this connection in Romans 11.36 when he said, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And so knowing the wonders of his covenant Lord, David's words in Psalm 8 show forth his admiration of the glory and the greatness of God. In these verses, we'll see how we're pointed to our Lord Jesus Christ as well. And so let us consider this under three headings tonight. First, the excellence of God's name in verses 1 and 2. The heavenly bodies being made useful for man in verses 3 through 5. As well as man's dominion over creation in verses 6 through 9. And so we see how excellent the name of the Lord is. Beginning in verse 1a, David proclaims and proclaims boldly, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. What a wonderful statement of praise and adoration. Glorifying God and the excellence of his name. Know that as David begins this psalm, he he humbly and reverently addresses God by his personal covenantal name, and that is Yahweh. David addresses him here when he says, Lord, our Lord, he is saying, Yahweh, Adonainu. Yahweh, Adonainu, meaning Yahweh, our Lord. Yahweh was David's sovereign master along with all of God's people. And knowing the grandeur of his God, what did David proclaim to be true? How excellent is your name in all the earth, O Lord. See how David gives God the glory due his name. David starts in many places in the Psalms in terms of giving glory to God, but this is a beautiful one among them all. How excellent is his name. And what's significant about God's name? Why would David glorify God in such a way, even in opening up this psalm, this song to the Lord, why would he even reference the excellence of God's name? It's significant because it reveals who God is and it signifies his character and his reputation. And what does David mean when he speaks of the excellence of God's name? He he is referring to his name being mighty and magnificent and renowned. In Exodus 34, beginning in verse 5, we read there, Now the Lord descended, In the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Notice. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, 
The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. But what do we see here even as the Lord descended and words are spoken, the Lord's name is proclaimed. In Isaiah chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, we read there, In that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. We see the similarity here between Isaiah and David. He is the God with a name and a great name and a great history of all that he has done. In Psalm 148, verse 13, we hear the words, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is to be exalted. Christ has the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. His name alone is to be exalted. And even as we consider these words about the name of God, And the excellence of it, it it really draws us to worship, does it not? The Apostle Paul proclaims the excellence of the name of Jesus, even in uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, and I just quoted part of that. But hear these other words. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, being Christ. And given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How great and distinguished and magnificent, beloved, is the name of Jesus. But notice after he makes such a wonderful proclamation in the first part of verse 1. David goes on to finish the verse by saying, who have set your glory above the heavens. Notice that man doesn't evaluate the glory of God according to our metrics and determine its breadth and magnitude, and neither do the angels. No, no, no. God himself sets his own glory. The high and lofty one, the the transcendent one who is above all of his creation, sets his glory above all of his creation. Hear that. You have set your glory above the heavens. There is no glory that is higher. There is no glory that is greater than that of the living God, the creator God, the excellent Lord of creation. And notice that man, excuse me, if you notice in Psalm 113, verse 4, he says, The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. 
And so the glory of the Lord is so high and so magnificent that it is not only above all of his creation, but it is therefore also far above all principalities and powers. Matthew Henry said this, Whereas we on this earth only hear God's excellent name and praise that, the angels and blessed spirits above see his glory and praise that, and yet he is exalted far above even their blessing and praise. Praise the Lord for that reality. He alone is God. And his name alone is to be exalted. But notice in verse 2, David goes on to say, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. This is such an awesome verse. Beloved, babes and young nursing babies powerfully proclaim the glory of God. Hear that. And also see the great contrast here between the weak and the strong. Those who are the weakest, the the helpless image bearers, are those who have a wonderful proclamation, a wonderful testimony of the power and the goodness of God. God has ordained this. And why has God ordained such strength in infants? Look at 2b. Because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. This is why. In fact, Jesus does such silencing in Matthew chapter 21, doesn't he? You can turn with me there if you'd like. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 14. We see this silencing when he quoted and applied this verse here in Psalm 8 in response to the chief priests and the scribes' indignation. We read there, beginning in verse 14, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Oh, you, the teachers of Israel, have you you never read this? Have, Have you never heard this? Beloved, God has ordained worship for himself from the lips of children. He alone has the prerogative to do so. And he wonderfully has. And so as we think about this, know that the smallest of God's image bearers show that it is truly the fool who says in his heart there is no God. Jesus again shows this when he says in Matthew eleven twenty one uh, twenty five, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed them to babes. If you think about it, 
The evil actions of the wicked in snuffing out the lives of babies are attempts to snuff out the glory of God in creation. For the babies have a proclamation. They declare the glory of God. But David then goes on to consider God's created order as he continues this praise. In 3 through 5, if you look at verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the the moon and the stars which you have ordained. And let's pause there for a moment. Whereas in verse 2, David considered the great strength that God ordained for the weakest earthly image bearers that he created. See that David now gazes into the heavens and considers its grandeur, along with the great and the the grand celestial bodies, and proclaims what? Importantly, he proclaims that they aren't works of evolution. The vast universe and the thousands upon thousands of bodies therein are a display of the power of God. As they were made by the fingers of the Creator. By the word of his power, they came into existence, but they are his. He is the one that made them. God put them there. And considering this greatness, David says in verse 4, What is man that you are so mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? David asks an important question here. What is man? In light of all of this, what is man? Considering the vast universe and the omnipotent power of God, man is little. We're tiny and we're just a speck in the grand canvas of creation. David similarly asks in Psalm 144, verse 3, he says, Lord, What is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you were mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. And yet the mind-blowing reality, beloved, is that God is mindful of you and me. God is mindful of us. And he visits us. And why? We're so small and insignificant. I mean, David knew that he wasn't and that we aren't the center of the universe. And so, Lord, why have you bothered with us? Why do you love us and care for us? What has God done for us, beloved? Look at verse 5, Psalm 8. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. My friends, we're taught here that God has created man to be different than the angels. God created the angels to be part of the heavenly host, and he ordained man to rule and to have dominion over the earth. And we find this dominion mandate in Genesis 1.28. The special privilege that man has as God crowned him with glory and honor is to rule over the earth. And now as much as verses 4 through 6 rightly apply to man, they also marvelously point us to Jesus Christ as we see specifically them applied in Hebrews chapter 2. 
If you look at Hebrews chapter 2 with me, beginning in verse 6, Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, we see this application. We read there, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Point after point, piece after piece. Psalm 8, Hebrews 2. What was said of man in Psalm 8 is said of Christ in Hebrews 2. And said of Christ, importantly, as we see the application and connection here, that Jesus was the perfect man as well as God. He is the God-man. And whereas dominion was lost after the fall in the first Adam, it was restored by the exaltation of Christ, the victorious second Adam. He is the true Son of Man who has brought about a new created order. And so we see this wonderful tie to him and his work of redemption, even pointed to in Psalm 8. But David goes on as he continues to praise and exalt the Lord. He says in verse 6 of Psalm 8, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. Beloved, here's the creation mandate. The creation mandate and the dominion mandate that we find in Genesis. Here we see it applied and continued in Psalm 8. And it continues today. We are called to take and maintain dominion over creation. And so he ends in verse 9. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. A a wonderful bookend as he began in verse 1, he ends in verse 9. Why is our obedience important today, beloved? It all comes back to the Lord and his name. His name is mighty. His name is magnificent. His name is renowned through all the earth. Our dominion over creation is all for God's glory. We must never forget that. In order for us to carry it out, in order for us to know and to have even further zeal and commitment in our going forth and taking dominion, but we also must know that as we are taking dominion, it's not about us. The glory goes to him. And so I ask you, do you, like David, see the great importance of giving God the glory due his name? 
if you don't or, or haven't, I pray that God grants you grace and having eyes to see and passion in your heart to proclaim the excellence of his name. For oh, how magnificent is the Lord of creation! Oh, how marvelous his wisdom and power in even causing nursing infants to powerfully proclaim his glory! Praise his holy name for this. Even as you look around our congregation and you see all of the babes and the babies that he has blessed, he's been pleased to bless us with and to give, they have such a strong witness of him and his work. Let us not forget that. But also in light of the vastness of his creation, give God much glory for his mindfulness, for his consideration, for his love and his care for you. For we are but a speck, but yet our God, the God, loves and cares for you. Give him the glory for the redemptive work of Christ for you, his victory, his reign, his dominion. And may we all have a renewed commitment today to be faithful in obeying the dominion mandate that we have, all for the glory of Christ our King. May we take this with us today. Amen. Praise God for his word. May we be faithful to carry it out. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, O Lord, we praise your name. It is truly excellent and worthy of all glory each and every day. O Lord, we pray that these wonders, these truths, considering not only what you have called and ordained for us as your people here to do, but also considering the wonderful person and work of Jesus Christ in which these things point, O oh Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus, the great Redeemer of your people. For you indeed tasted death so that we would not, that we would not taste condemnation but that we would live and reign with you for all eternity. O Lord, our Lord, indeed, how excellent is your name in all the earth. May you receive the glory from our lips and all others. In Christ's name we pray.